G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm really excited to have another one of my favourite authors along for my special holiday series trying to inspire you with some great reading. Today, I've got Mike Wiardi, the CEO of Metropole Property Strategists, and he's the author of the international bestseller, Negotiate, Influence and Persuade. I think it's a very underrated skill that we can all learn, and I wanted to get the guy that has written the book along to upskill us. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into how to become a power negotiator. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. Negotiating's a part of living and we do it all the time. When we walk down a crowded street, you negotiate the path that you take, especially when it's busy. And a couple negotiates their relationship before and during marriage. And that's certainly been the case with my wife. We've always got different things to work out. Who's doing what? And, you know, am I doing the garbage tonight? Well, the answer to that's always a yes. And I'm always seeming to do the dishes as well. But we we each negotiate what we're going to do in the marriage. And of course, negotiation is one of those skills that's developed by all savvy property investors and business people and something that I myself have spent you know, a good decade trying to refine and, and become better at because it influences and helps us impact all areas of our life. And over the years, I've noticed that some people are very good at getting terrific deals when it comes to property. I mean, we get to see hundreds of properties each year that have been bought by people. And often we get asked, you know, is this a good deal? Is this not? Well, sometimes it's best not for us to not comment. <laughs> but many others simply get what the other party's willing to give or they don't get a very good deal. So what's the difference? Well, in my mind, it's that the first group knows how to negotiate and it is a learned skill. And it's actually more than that. They they know how to influence and persuade others to do what they'd like them to do. So today, I'd like to discuss the topic of negotiation, influence and persuasion with Michael Yardney, the CEO of Metropole Property Strategists and the author of the international bestseller, Negotiate, Influence, and Persuade. Hi, Michael. I know you've uh, written a book. (laughs) Thanks for joining me today. Pleasure. So I know you've written a book, uh, Negotiate, Influence, and Persuade, and it's been how many translated into how many languages you were saying just before? I think it's four foreign languages as well as English, yes. Great. So you've got a new edition coming out? Well, yes, it's just come out. It all started because. My publisher said, Michael, you and your team have been involved in Mm. millions of dollars worth of property deals. In fact, I think it's about five billion with the B, not M. And he said, maybe you could write a book on negotiation. And as I started to do that a couple of years ago, as you said, it's actually more than just negotiation. In today's world, it's influencing and persuading but there's a dark way of doing that or there's also a way of doing things that you don't take advantage of people and that was the aim of this particular book. Mm, Great. So I noticed in your book you say life is one big negotiation. What did you really mean by that? Well, I think you said it really well in the introduction. 
there's uh, lots of subtle ways in which we negotiate every day. And think about it at work, when you go to a restaurant, which table do you want? As you said a moment ago, who takes out the rubbish? And yes, <laughs> I do also every time. I never win that one. What are you going to watch tonight? And I've realised that in business, in life, in property, if you're a poor negotiator, you end up spending a fortune. If you're a good negotiator, you can actually save a fortune, Jared. And if you're a great negotiator, you can make a fortune. And as you said initially, negotiation is a critical skill for investors, but also for business people and entrepreneurs. Hmm, makes sense. So in your book, it's more than just a book on negotiation. Who, who's it for then? Well, as I said, life is one big negotiation. And every transaction, there is a buyer and a seller. Now, again, you may not think that the discussion with your kids about you know, do your room before before you come oh, out. Yeah, we hadn't TV. even brought up kids yet, had we? All those <laughs> you need power uh, negotiation skills for them, don't you? <laughs> very different, and they're interestingly good negotiators. They don't give in, do they? Yeah, they're very stubborn, my four-year-old is. <laughs> so, again, in every transaction, there's a buyer and seller, even though money doesn't necessarily change hands. So either they're buying what you're saying, what you're suggesting, what you're proposing, or you're buying what they're saying. So mm. this book isn't just for salespeople, even though I know a lot of estate agents have bought it and one big estate agent chain has sort of given it to a lot of their their selling agents, one of the very large chains. It's also for consumers because, as I said, we negotiate all the time. So understanding these principles will help the reader get a better deal every time, whether they're buying or selling, Jared. Hmm. Well, I know a lot of real estate agents could benefit from that over here in Perth too. So <laughs> they'll have to, I know quite a few actually listen to the podcast. So hopefully they'll get onto it as well. Oh, um, easy. I give a plug. Just go to the website negotiateinfluencepersuade.com and you can get your own copy excellent. or buy it on Kindle. Well, one of the big reasons I thought to get you at Christmas is I've, I've had two other authors on the last two weeks and, and I'm, getting my favourite books for the holiday period. So oh, great. it's a great way to spend your time upskilling yourself in, a, in such an important area. So I know we've spoken about how important this is, but was there any other reasons that you chose to write the book? Well, again, it was influenced by my publisher who suggested that Australians in general are not good negotiators. Yeah. And so the aim was to help people learn these skills because actually years ago, I was a sucker. I loved direct marketing. I get got sucked in by persuasive salespeople. Mm. That was way before the days of the internet, and I bought things I didn't need from great salespeople and direct marketers who sent compelling letters. Now, it's worse today for a lot of people who don't even understand the principles I share in my book because they're bombarded by persuasive marketing with the internet, with emails, mm. with Instagram, with social media. And I've come to realise that in Western cultures, the average person knows very little about negotiating. In fact, it's not one of the skills that tends to come naturally in our Western culture, but it does come more naturally to people uh, from um, Asia in mm. India and uh, China. Now, no disrespect to that. I think it's something that they see at home, they learn, they experience. Yep. And so my concept was, what if you could bottle that power of being an influential, persuasive person? What would that mean if you could harness that? So when, years ago, I started to learn these ideas. And in the 80s, I studied from the best of the best. And there was 
somebody whose book I would still recommend people read, Robert Cialdini's book, yeah, on Influence, and he's actually since written a book called Persuasion, which happens no, to I haven't read that one. people about mm. how you persuade them before you have to persuade them. And I learned techniques from, from Brian Tracy and I learned negotiating tactics from Herb Cohen. When I first came across this, Jared, I didn't even realise there was an art or, I guess, a science to this. Now, boy, has the world changed since I first learned these concepts, but I believe it's even more important than ever. So over the years, I learned things like studying body language and neuro-linguistic programming. But again, not to take advantage of people, but if you as a business owner believe you've got something that you can offer to help people, I believe it's your obligation to do the best to persuade them to use your services. Mm. Well, the same goes in anyone that's working anywhere. You know, you're running a project, you're, you know, you might be a manager of people, you, you might be trying to just get something done in the political world that we find ourselves in and in big bigger companies as well. So there's really so many. Maybe the politician should read it. <laughs> yes. And part of the problem with property as well is, and this is what I find myself and why I often and pretty much use a buyer's agent almost every time I buy, is that when your emotions get involved and, you know, you get swept up in in mm. um, in the whole excitement, I find a lot of my normal skills that I can employ for someone else's behalf, just I find it really hard. Yes, yeah, sure, exactly. And that's why you've got to become a good negotiator because, you know, they teach you, hey, you should meet in the middle, you should meet halfway. Let's be honest, Jared, we don't always want to do that. We don't want to meet halfway. We want to walk away with the best deal. So on that basis, you've got to learn to persuade others. You've got to learn to give a teeny bit so the other party comes over to where you are. But don't get me wrong, you still have to do the right thing by people. The difference in my mind between manipulation and persuasion is intent. So I don't teach in the book hard sales persuasion techniques. What we really do, and that's not my intention, we actually show them how to understand what the other party wants. And in property, in real estate, you've been there yourself. You know, it's not always price. Sometimes mm. it's money, but I've seen deals happen because of shorter settlement periods or certainty such as non-conditional sales or not as many conditions mm. or subject to finance. Now, they're the simple things that most of us understand about real estate, but there's a lot more to negotiation and persuasion than that. And, I mean, we were just talking about a purchase that your buyer's agent's looking at for me at the moment, and you'd think, oh, why don't they just wait till the new year and take it to auction in February? Why mm. would they want an off-market sale now? But there's always different things going on for the person, and if you can get into that intent and understand why, then just getting the best price in February is not the, the main motivator for this particular seller. Sure. So if people listening to this podcast are particularly interested in property, mm -hmm. and you and I were suggesting that as people in the industry, we would not sell off market. You can't sell a secret. So one has to understand what is motivating these vendors. What are they worried about? What are they scared about? And it's not usually what they tell you. And interestingly, it's not usually what the agent will tell you either because the agent's representing them and, and not wanting to mm. expose their vulnerabilities. Exactly. But if you have a bias agent on your side representing you, speaking the same language as the selling agent, then you actually are levelling the playing field because the agent knows 
four or five things that you don't know and uh, should know about the property. Things like what the real price is, if it's an auction, what the reserve is, if it's a private sale. No, not the asking price, but exactly what their bottom line is. They know why the vendor is moving, how urgent it is. They know about other properties up and down the street because they've had the, uh, that's their patch, but they're not going to necessarily tell you about those. So that's why there's a lot more to property purchases, Jared, than the asking price and the best price. Mm. So where do people learn to negotiate successfully? Because, you know, I've just done it by trial and error, reading a few good books over time. And of course, the average investor doesn't get to go through hundreds and hundreds of transactions and hone their skills that way, do they? No, sure. And that's the reason why most people never become good negotiators in property and you run a successful property management department. Boy, there's a lot of negotiation with tenants, with landlords, mm. with legislation. So this would be a good book for the team too, I think, as well. <laughs> sure. So why try and do things yourself? And as you say, there's no school of negotiation. So most of us do it by doing many deals, learning from experience. But I don't know, some people just seem to have a natural talent for it. Now, over the years, I've realized there are a number of rules. So it can be something that you can learn. And that's one of the reasons I wrote Negotiate, Influence, Persuade to help people become power negotiators. Because if you understand the rules, then at least going to point you in the right direction. Mm. Yeah, well, I know in your book, you've got 27 rules for negotiation. So I think it would really help if we could share a number of them today. Would you take us through some of your favorites? Sure. Well, I guess the first one is everything's negotiable. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to get what you want. That doesn't mean you're always going to win every negotiation. But you must remember, well, everything's potentially up for negotiation. That means there's no such thing as a fair price since every price was actually come up by somebody. Somebody's thought up the price. And, I mean, real estate's one of those things. But other than real commodities like apples, you know, where everyone looks much the same, somebody has come up with a price for things, whether it's the clothes you buy in the shop or whatever, so they can change their mind. So a fair price is really what somebody's willing to pay for a service or product, and this can differ widely depending upon your own desire, your own intent. In other words, nothing is non-negotiable, even when the other party tells you it is. So I think the first rule is, while you may not be able to negotiate on price, there are other factors, like we talked about uh, with the properties about conditions of sale, uh, things like that. So rule number one, everything's negotiable. Mm, great. So, yeah, Another this... one then, Jared, would be you actually should go into the negotiating knowing what you want. You see, mm, a lot of people find out, decide what they want, and this is even with property during the negotiation, wrong way around. Know the result, the bottom line before commencing the negotiation. Uh, yeah, it's a bit like planning a holiday. First you decide the destination where you want to end up and then work backwards to decide how the best way to get there. And in negotiation and in life, if you don't have a plan of your own, you're part of somebody else's plan. So do your homework, do your due diligence in property, know what the property's worth, understand what it's worth to you. And currently, it's a buyer's market around Australia. But having said that, there's a shortage of A-grade homes. There's a shortage of investment-grade properties, and they're still selling quickly in Western yep. Australia as they are in the rest of the world. So when you go in, I guess there's always with property, maybe three prices. You know, the price you'd like to get it at, we all want to get it at a yep. bargain. The price you're 
accept is is the right price. You know, okay, that, that that's the middle range one. And then I always go in, and we just talk about the property you were talking about as well for you, mm. because it's something good, something special. You're prepared to pay a fair price. What's the price you're prepared to go to? That if you know if somebody else buys it and pays more than that, you won't regret it later. Yeah. So I'd be going into a negotiation with those in mind. You never tell them to the selling agent, of course, but but know where you end up so that you're not part of the other person's game, Jared. Yeah, that's really good because once the emotions get up, making decisions when when you're yeah. already in the in the thick of it, you that's where you start moving your goalposts. Because we're human. Yeah. Especially when it comes around to money and when we say, oh, no, that, that's other people, I can control my emotions. <laughs> no, we're biased. I think another good rule is to treat negotiation as a game. You should be involved but not too much. So we keep saying mm. that. Don't be too emotionally involved. Otherwise, you lose your perspective. Like all games, you've got to understand the rules, understand that, I mean, if you're buying an ice cream in the shop, no, nah, you, know, you pay the, the, the price. If you do yeah. a one-off transaction with somebody, then you're more inclined to want to get a really good deal and it doesn't matter. If in business you're doing a long-term transaction such as your team does with property management, you want to look after the tenant as well. You need to get the best rent for your landlord, but you don't want to take advantage of the tenant so you have a a good working relationship. So you've got to understand, this: is this a one-off transaction? Is it an ongoing transaction? If it is, what structure, what changes they are? And if you playing a game and you don't know the rules, how do you know when the game's begun? How do you know when it's reached the midpoint or its conclusion? So that's why it's important to understand what sort of negotiation it is. Mm, excellent. And now, I'm old enough to remember the TV show Columbo. Did you ever see uh, that? I know of it, but I never watched it. So <laughs> it was, There was this guy, Columbo, who was a detective. Peter Falk played a detective who walked around in an old raincoat and he was seen to be in a mental fog the whole time. He chewed on a cigar bot, but oops. <laughs> and he constantly wore this expression that suggested he, he just misplaced something. He was lost. He couldn't remember things, let mm. alone where he left them. And he he played innocent and it actually got people to open up to him. So in negotiation, a lot of beginners want to show off how much they know. I know all the properties in the area. I've seen yeah, all the sales. That is, you're right. They're playing with the egos. Power negotiators know that it's smart to be dumb. Being dumb is actually being smart. So by acting like you know less, you can ask the agent, hey, look, look I'm, I'm new to this. I don't understand. How did you help me out? Like, how did you come up with this price? Mm. What, what, why? Of course. Agents have egos too. So yeah. the moment you uh, treat them as the the expert and that you know nothing, they're going to mm. tell you lots more. Sure. Now, often when you're buying property, there's the main selling agent, the the big one who's actually listed the property, and often they're going to have an assistant or younger people at the open for inspections as well. They're the ones I'd be approaching acting dumb because they're still learning and they're probably not as good negotiators and ones who are more likely to open up but most of us are too eager to show off what we know and i've just found in real estate it can work against you they reveal too much and it doesn't work so remember colombo and uh, if people feel sorry for you they, they often go out of their way to help you jared mm, definitely is there any other rules you can 
share or are we? Yeah. Well, I, I think the next one would be along the lines of what we were just discussing, don't be afraid to ask questions or ask oh, for advice. Now, again, I'm at the stage and you're a property professional, so in your area you also are very unlikely to ask questions you don't know the answer to. <laughs> now, that's the stage you can get to after many, many years of doing deals. But for beginners, I think it's good to ask questions, to act in- innocent, to build a climate of trust. And if an agent says something, you're allowed to say, look, wh- why do you say that? As I said, even if you know mm. the answers to that, it does two things. Sometimes it actually just buys you time to think, but it also forces the other party to justify their position. So don't be afraid to ask why. Again, as I said before, people won't always tell you their true motives and agents won't always tell either. But listen carefully and you may actually find out what the other person wants. So get behind the what people are saying to, to work out what's really the mm. motivation because if you can help the other person get what they want, hopefully you'll be able to get what you want, Charity. And that listening carefully is so important because sometimes it's what the agent doesn't say. Mm, mm. And there's also lots of different ways to ask the same question and they might not answer and give you in- the information when you take the direct approach. But if you ask other questions around that, it starts to paint a picture and you can fill in the, the gaps. You know, Yeah, yeah. What's it going to take for me to buy this property or you know, am I the highest price or have I done enough to secure it? They all may give different answers, but the agent can give something away by one of those answers or by hearing all of them together, you then know, okay, I I might yeah. be, I am the highest or yeah. this is what I need to change or it can really help you know whether you need to increase your offer more or whether you're in the best position to buy it. So Definitely. Hmm. So... I know that you say there's three leverage points in negotiation you mentioned in the book and those with the most leverage come out on top. Let's discuss some of these because I think that'd be really helpful. Well, the first one's information and we said that a moment ago. Do your homework, do your due diligence, don't go into a property negotiation Mm. to work out where you want to end that as you're negotiating, know in advance. So you may think that the other party knows more than you. The vendor doesn't. The vendor is often emotionally, well, not often, always emotionally. <laughs> and the estate agent has uh, a knowledge of certain areas, but you may have good information as well. And today there's so much great information available on the internet. So the person with the most information actually is in a stronger position. Yeah, look, I know you think that property's worth $1 million, but what about those three properties that sold, you know, one in this street, mm. that street, for, for 970, They actually look very comparable to me. Why do you think your property is worth more? So the person with the most information has got a leverage. The next one's time. If you think about it, most vendors want to sell. There's the occasional not motivated vendor who puts his property on the market. Just, you know, if I get a good price, I'll sell it. But most people, when they've gone to the emotional in financial trouble of putting their properties on the market, they want to sell. And if you're urgently needing to buy, then it's against the works against you. But if you're not in a hurry, if you can take your time, if there's other options available, which is the third thing, the person with the biggest more options has got the most power as well, then you can drag things out. So the leverage points that I've come across are information 
the one with the who's the least time sensitive and the one who's got the most options. So never well, with time as well. I know. Home. I know Sorry. you guys um, purchase a lot of properties with a delayed settlement as well. So that's playing oh. with time, and and if you're not not in a hurry to settle, and mm. the the seller needs to find another place to move, and they want a year to do it or six months to do yep. it, then that can be very valuable to you, not just about price as well, but also valuable to the owner. Definitely, sure. And if you've got options, uh, then you're not going to be so disappointed if you don't get the deal. Mm -hmm. And again, if it's your home, unless it's really, really special, even though you do fall in love with it, uh, it'll be another one. And if it's an investment, you definitely should fall in love with the concept, the deal, the dealings, but not with the negotiation. So you're allowed to have some emotion when you're choosing the property, but not once you do the negotiation where it really has to come down to to numbers and figures. Mm. And your third leverage point there, just to summarise, was who has power. the power. Yeah. Oh, you have more power when you have more options. So information, time and power. Excellent. So what are some of the common mistakes? Because I see people making all kinds of mistakes. I'm sure you've <laughs> seen it over the years. Sure. Well, I guess the biggest one is the one that keeps coming up as we've been chatting for the last yeah. little while, Jared, and that's in becoming emotional. Now, of course, if you're buying investment property, you've got to look at it objectively and you've got to make money out of it. Buying your home, it's more difficult to divest yourself of emotion. Uh, but don't be mm. ill-pushed or pressured I mean, to make an offer. Just because the opportunity doesn't arise that often, you'll find another one. There are literally thousands of properties out there and more are coming on the market every day. And I think 2023 is going to be a year of reset when interest rates are going to reach their peak and the market's going to realise that. Uh, inflation is going to come under control. And when there's been a couple of months of no interest rate rises, when yeah. uh, the market recognises, hey, inflation's now coming down. Remember, in general, buyers are sellers and sellers are buyers. So when people realise, hey, I can now move on and I can buy my next home, more properties are going to be coming onto the market in Perth over the, into the, probably the second half of 2023. And, you know, on that basis, don't feel rushed. Don't feel pressured. Don't let emotions get the better of you in this very important property decision. Mm. And I think it's especially it's hard when, you know, you've got multiple other people competing for the property. And as agents, yeah. we always try to get, you know, two or more people competing. And that's when I've seen people get that real fear of missing out. They just want to beat the other person. And I know in my own self, being a pretty competitive person, I in the thick of the moment, I'm just like, win, win at all costs. And if I can yep. pay the extra, I, I, you know, feel like I'll just do that to beat the other person. So that's where well, it comes up. Well, there are certain times when being a um, positive person and a, uh, one, one who always wants to win is a huge advantage and it is in business. And I know that's what you want to do for your clients at mm. the best as edge to get them good deals with, with property management. But having said that, that's why, again, take the motions out and get somebody to represent you. I think another mistake is not doing enough research. It's surprising. Mm. It's amazing. Well, that I mean, relates to the information, you mm. know, the, the key leverage point you mentioned of not yeah. having enough information. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. But, but, but you and I spend our day in real estate. So, therefore, we look yep. at research and we, we immediately we, go to that. But having said that, the average buyer, 
buys close to where they want to retire or where they want to holiday or where they want to near where they live now in their known market. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a research done by was two separate universities who studied how successful people were who bought in their own backyard. You would think intuitively you'd have a, mm. an unfair advantage. A home court advantage, area. yeah. But interestingly, they found that they didn't get a better deal mm. by doing that. So m- most people think searching is researching, looking on the internet, on the portals and seeing what's sold. That's not research. There are multiple factors that affect properties' values, and the property you eventually purchase should be the physical manifestation of a whole lot of decisions you have to make in the right order, Jared. But most people think property investing is just buying a property. It's a process in my mind, not an event. Mm, Makes a lot of sense. I see it every day too. Mm. I, I guess another mistake I see people make is Not having options, it goes back to what we said a moment ago, that gives you more power. So if the agent knows that's the only property you're looking for, you haven't got any other options, no, he hasn't seen you at other open inspections that they've done or you've not mentioned that, hey, the the company with the yellow logo has got a good property as well, having something in your back pocket. As I said on the weekend to some buyers on a property, well, there's nothing else on market. So, you know, I, I knew that scarcity was on my side. Mm. I'm selling this property. So yeah, Exactly right. Exactly right. I think the other mistake I see people make is when you want to then eventually buy that property, you made a decision when it's all working out right for you, actually not showing that you're serious. Mm. You've actually got to put a written offer in. I mean, a verbal offer is not legally binding. You can back out. The other party can back out as well. And it depends what state you're in too. There are different levels of how you submit an offer including in some states you can gazumped even though you've actually written an offer and the other parties agreed but you haven't uh, exchanged. So a verbal offer or a casual email does nothing more than show your hand to the agent. But they know it doesn't bind you, Jared. So therefore, if you're serious and you want to play the game properly, put a written offer in. In the old days, I used to say with a check for a portion of the deposit, I don't think many people have a checkbook anymore, Jerry. <laughs> no, I don't own one. <laughs> no. But there's obviously other ways to show that you're serious in making that offer. Definitely. So, And I think a mistake people make in today's buyer's market is submitting too low an offer. Sometimes in the booming mm. times, they did the opposite and submitted too high an offer because they just had the FOMO, the fear of missing out. And now it's a little bit opposite the fear of buying early, the phobia or whatever you want to call it. But if you are serious about it and you've done your homework and you've done your research, I believe putting not your best offer first, of course not, but a serious offer to get the negotiation underway makes a lot of sense. Hmm. And you've got to be careful about insulting the owner or putting them so far offside that they don't think you're serious. Mm. And, you know, that can not get you off to the on the best foot either. <laughs> so. Sure. And I guess the last mistake I'd like to share, and people will say, yeah, you've got a vested interest. You run a buyer's agency on the East Coast in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. But I would say, but you've already said it yourself. You know mm. that you're using Metropolitan Buyer's Agent. But in fact, I've recently purchased a, a property and used one of my team 
to do it in Brisbane. As you know, I didn't even see the property. Trying to do it all yourself and not seeking professional advice, even in today's buyer's market, just doesn't make sense to me. You should be engaging somebody whose job it is to buy property all the time and who can negotiate on your behalf because the other party, the seller, the vendor, has a trained negotiator. All the big agencies spend lots of time. They have regular in-house training on negotiation. So unless you use a professional buyer's agent to handle yours, as well as the search, as well as leveling the playing field, they're professional negotiators, so at least they'll level the playing field. And if you get the right one, they'll actually stack the odds in your favour. I think the other benefit of a buyer's agent is that they sometimes have access to what we call silent sales, pre-market or off-market properties that you just wouldn't have found on your own. Hmm. No, I've definitely found those to all be major benefits as well and appreciate the work that your buyer's agents do for me. So the trouble with a lot of investors is that the ones that need a buyer's agent the most don't know what they don't know and don't value you know, just look at the price tag of, of a buyer's agent and thinks, oh, oh, that's expensive. What would you say to those people? Because it's hard to get through to them sometimes. Yes, it is. Okay. If we're talking about investors, the statistics show that 50% of investors sell up within five years. Mm. The statistics show that of the 2.1 million property investors in Australia, 1.9 million never get past their first or second property, and only 20,000 of all those 2 million investors own six or more properties. So successful investors do things that the average investor doesn't, including having a good team around them. So my question to somebody who'd say that would be, what would it be worth to you to buy a property that outperforms the averages? How much research do you do? Do you know the five fundamentals that we use to choose properties that outperform the market? How many markets do you intimately know. And I can go on and on about areas that while they know a little bit about a small segment of the market, what if that's not the right market for them? As Perth hasn't been for a long period of time, but people would know the Perth market well, but would it not have been worthwhile a decade ago to pay somebody ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to buy a property in Sydney that's doubled in value when the property in Perth wouldn't have gone up much at all? Hmm. Well, some people just need to make the mistakes and hopefully learn from them and then see the value. Yeah. But then others probably aren't going to realise until it's all too late because... That's a shame. The difference is, you know, when you look at the difference that compounding makes over 10 years, Mm. 20 years, 30 years, even 1% or 2% extra in the average annual growth rate, oh, it's a massive difference, isn't it? And then you multiply that across your whole portfolio. And it's the difference between having an amazing, you know, choices or in some people's case, they don't get the results. They sell up after those five years. They're one of those statistics that doesn't continue building their portfolio. And then we see them and they say that, you know, property investing doesn't work. So it's a shame, isn't it? That's right. And hopefully we've got three to people today. And if they want to see and get some more of these negotiating, influencing techniques. Um, We'll put a link to your book in the show notes. And uh, it's going to be a great one to get into across the holiday period. What better thing to do than read a book? I enjoy that too. I've actually got a few stacked up. But I'm actually now reading on Kindle. I've just found it easier, even though I do like holding a book in my hands, Jared. 
but going to spend a little bit of time away, so I'm going to take a Kindle rather than a stack of books. Well, you don't have to wait for it to come in the mail. That's the, the one benefit oh, one I click. like. One you click. Can, That's you can right. go straight from this podcast episode, grab the book, Negotiate Influence and Persuade, and you don't have to wait for it to come <laughs> straight your post. So thank you so much for your time today, Michael. My pleasure, Jared. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature, as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group to be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.